Uh, Let's pray, and then we'll get going uh, in Genesis chapter 4. Lord, thanks for this morning, and thanks for your word. Thanks for how your word is live and active and plays itself out, and how we get to be a part of that, uh, whether it's Mexico uh, in a prison or here. We've got all these different things that we're getting to be a part of. We're so grateful for a children's ministry and a whole building dedicated to that. We're student ministry coming off a winter retreat and all the blessings that come from that. Uh, Lord, show us what to do next and show us how to do it well. We want to offer things that you regard. And so I pray, Lord, that in our time this morning as we look at your word and this passage, we will understand more of the full scope of what is sin. And so I, I pray uh, that you would bless this time. Uh, may it honor you, glorify your son, and be guided by your spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. I've been having a little bit of fun with the Doctrine series. I think some of you have noticed. Uh, and one of the pieces that I've enjoyed is kind of starting at the beginning of Genesis and uh, working our way uh, through chapter 1, chapter 2. And as we find doctrines, let's talk about them. Um, I, I kind of give a little credence to God put them in the Bible in an order, and maybe we should respect that order, and that's the order we talk about them. And so we had a little fun, and we talked about creation and a bunch of different things. We've gone through about 11 of these at this point, uh, last one being doctrine of evil, because we find out that in Genesis chapter 2, that God made a garden, and he put a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. evil. Right, and so evil's on the scene. So we got to talk about evil. We did two parts on that series over the last three weeks. Had a little break in there with Mark Campbell, which was great fun. And thanks for supporting him. Uh, this morning we're going to go into doctrine of sin because it shows up. Now, I'm not convinced that doctrine of sin shows up in chapter two. I'd say for sure it shows up in chapter four, which is what we're going to look at this morning. Famous story, but it's not actually the first time sin shows up. Uh, in Genesis. Sin actually shows up for the first time when Adam and Eve are in the garden and they talk to the serpent and here's the fruit and they saw it was good for food and and make one wise. And so she took, ate it, gave to her husband, was with her, he ate it and, (gasps) whoa, we've disobeyed. That's sin now. Uh, We already went through that story a little bit. And so we're going to reference it in a little bit later today. But I wanted to make sure that we got to chapter 4 because chapter 4 is for sure about sin. And if we don't do chapter 4 today, we might not even get it at all because we'll have to move on to other things when we get to other doctrines. And we can't miss the story of Cain and Abel. Right? It's a classic story. Right? Nobody likes Cain. Everybody feels bad for Abel. I'm going to change all that today. Right? Oh, Scott, I was so happy with all the preconceptions that I used to have. Why are you going to mess with me? That's what I do. Okay, Uh, so we're going to have a little bit of fun with is there a doctrine in the house? There is. It's doctrine of sin, part 12. Well, doctrine number 12, part one, because we're going to do doctrine of sin next week. We're going to look at Romans, but I'm not going to tell you about that at all today. So Genesis chapter four, verse one, here we go. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Okay, so we got a baby, we got a kid. Is this just a setup question or, or setup statement just telling us 
Oh, who's on the scene now? We got an extra player, right? Now we got Adam and Eve and Cain and the Lord, right? But the Lord, he, he showed up in chapter one, verse one. He'd been around for four, three chapters now, right? We just got a new one, Cain. Is that it? Is that just setting? Say no. I know, Scott, this must be more to this because you're drawing attention to it, but I'm not sure where you're going with this, so I'm going to be quiet and let you fill it in. Perfect. What happened last chapter? I mean, in theory, if we're reading through Genesis, we just read chapter three, and it was a dark chapter, wasn't it? I just gave you the summary. They ate the fruit. Who did that? Adam, for sure, and Eve. Eve was kind of, she, was, she had a lot of lines in chapter three, didn't she? Here comes the serpent. Hey, have, what, did God really say? And yeah, he did, but he kind of said this. And then, oh yeah, well, that's not true. And you know what? If you do this, hey, you're going to be wise. And It's a rough chapter for Eve, wasn't it? God comes to Adam and says, here's the garden. Eat from every tree. Don't eat from that tree. Tells him before Eve's even on the scene. He knows the rules. Then here comes Eve. She breaks the rules. How do you think Eve's feeling right about now? God shows up on the scene. Where are you? What have you done? Who told you you were naked? All right, get out. Out of the garden. We're going to block it up. Can't ever go back there. Don't want you to have access to the uh, tree of life now. You've been banned. How's Eve feeling? You're Eve. How do you feel? Oh, this is not good. Will I ever see him again? Will he ever talk to me again? Are we going to interact? Have I canceled any kind of relationship I had with the Lord? Is the contract null and void? What's going on with Adam and me now? We're wearing clothes we didn't use to. Oh, man, we're not in the garden anymore. Three ends tragically. And then we get this great phrase. Chapter four, verse one, she gets a kid. Is that a blessing? Is she wondering now, well, what's going on? Because I just really royally messed up. But now I get to have a kid. And then what does she say? She said, I, I have gotten a man with, she didn't even care if it's good English. I have gotten, right? I have gotten a man with the help of? The Lord. Ooh, who's making an effort? Did Eve have a choice? Yes, she does. And instead of abandoning ship, she's jumping back in. She's climbing back into the ship, right? The waves are crashing. And I don't know where we're, how we're on a ship analogy now. But she's trying to get back into relationship with the Lord. She recognizes that she's not done with God, and maybe God's not done with her. It's a great phrase that you've probably always used to just set up for the story that's about Cain, Right? Now we got Cain, and this is the Cain story. No, it's also the Eve story. There's another guy too, Abel, and I'm going to make a case for him in a little bit. But here comes Cain, uh, verse 2, and again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was the keeper of the sheep. Cain was the worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. Well, that's good. Abel, good job. What does that mean? The Lord had regard for his offering. He liked it. 
Why? Let's be, let's be uh, adolescents in, in the family and do the thing adolescents do, right? Why? Why, Dad? Why did he like the offering? Why did he have regard for it? Does the Bible tell us here? No. doesn't. There's a small implication that says of the fat portions. Eh, that might mean something. Not Might not. But it's not actually explained. Here we go. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Why? Doesn't say. Abel's was good. Cain's was poor. That's it. I want you to understand this about the Bible. There are certain times where the Bible doesn't tell you on purpose. Do you know why? So you won't think about it and it's not important in that story. And if he doesn't talk about it, then you will be forced to pay attention to the things he does tell you. And you know, like all Christians, if there was some explanation here, we'd take it, run with it, define it, make a bunch of rules about it. There'd be like different denominations. We'd have wars over it, kill each other, the whole thing, and we'd miss the point. Throwing Bibles at each other. That's what we're really good at as Christians. Stop it, right? Uh, so we don't really know what regard for the offering really, really means. But here's what we know. Cain was like, oh, no problem. I'll just try better next time. No? So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Like clear off. It just <laughs> That's not what I meant. What's, what's his face fell? What do you think? He's frowning maybe? I don't know. She's like, when I'm upset, my face goes, mm. I was told when I was a kid, I was really good at pouting. I knew this because every, everybody in my family would always say, stop pouting. Get over yourself. Rub some dirt in it. Get moving again. You know the whole thing? So something's going on there. We don't totally know what face fell means either. But here comes the Lord. Verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, which is kind of cool, because was his offering good? No, but God's still talking to him. Says to Cain, why are you? Does the Lord know how he feels? The Lord know how you feel? God's paying attention to this kind of stuff. And Cain is now officially angry. It's not just the author telling us he's angry. Now God is saying Cain's angry. This is key piece of information because we're going to come back and revisit it in a little bit. Okay? Why are you angry and why has why did your face fall off? Uh, <laughs> verse 7. If you do well, will you not be accepted? How great is that? God's saying... Let's have a do-over. Try again. You're not done. Yeah, you had a bad offering. It's going to happen from time to time. Is God okay? Mm -hmm. How great is that? That he's okay with a subpar offering. And he's okay enough with Cain to keep talking to him. Is this story really about Cain? I'm going to make an argument that it's about God, maybe. Every passage is. <laughs> right? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, ooh, it's getting dark. Sin. And there we have it. Our first mention 
of that glorious word. You know, the first time I told you this isn't the first sin story. I told you it's the second sin story. But in the first sin story, we got Adam and Eve. They eat the fruit, but never use the word sin. It just says they took the fruit and ate it, gave it to a husband who was with her. He ate it. Here comes God walking in the cool of day. Uh, where are you? Why are you naked? Who told you? Blah, 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 the whole thing. Never in the passage is the word sin used. So you understand why I want to use this passage? Because here's the first time we see that glorious word. Um, excuse me, Scott, can, can we time out for a second? Uh, two times now, I'm pretty sure I heard you say that glorious word. I've never thought of glorious as a way to describe sin. I'm kind of wondering if you're being blasphemous or are you just being sarcastic or do you actually think there's a good side to that word? Yes. I'm not saying sin is good. I'm saying the word is good because once you get the word, what did you just get? Did you just get a definition? Did you just get some clarity? Are you going to have some understanding between different of right and wrong? That word gives us help. We want that word and we want it on the scene. If it exists, we want to know it. We want to understand it. We want to be clear about it. And we want to know that God has a standard and then there's not part of the standard. That word's glorious because it gives me direction. Good direction in some way. And I want to point out something else to you. Watch this. Uh, if you do not do well, sin will infect you and take over you. Sin will come out of you. No, sin is crouching at the door. Oh, okay. I kind of like this. So sin's like a little animal or a little person, like right outside. Can you can you want to check, Keith, see if he's out there? Right? Uh, why is that good? Other than being a fun little analogy, what's kind of implied? If sin is outside the door, it's not inside you. Well, wait a minute, Scott. I heard that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Good job. You read the New Testament. It's absolutely true. We all sin and we fall short of the glory of God. We make mistakes. That we don't even need to say amen to. We all know that. Whether you admit it out loud or not, we know we make mistakes. We know we do selfish things. We know that we think about gain, taking advantage, manipulation. From the time you're about to, you've perfected it. That's not when it starts. That's when you're starting to perfect it, right? Here's what I want you to understand, though. If sin is outside of us because it's outside crouching at the door and he's already been angry, he already did a bad offering, his face fell off. And yet sin's not in him. It's not part of his mind. It's not part of his heart. It's not a condition. Sin is outside of him. That means sin is a choice. Why the door? Forgot to tell first service. Why the door? Oh, you either open the door and here comes sin, crouching, and what does he look like? And I mean, there's this... I want to make a movie. This sounds so much fun. Or keep the door shut. 
You have a choice. There are things that oppose God. That's evil. There is no all-encompassing entity with power that can control you and you are at its mercy. Doesn't exist. In fact, James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Is sin a condition? Well, kind of. Do you have a choice? Yes. If you have a choice, is it really a condition? Well, it's kind of both. But I love the fact that God, who's speaking here, implies that sin is a thing that's outside of us. The sad part is we always have the choice to let it in, but it is not our DNA. We were given our DNA a couple chapters earlier. Male and female, we will create them. In the image of God, we will create them. You were created for perfection. You were, you were created perfectly, correctly. We're just all really good at screwing it up. Twisting it, misusing it, attributing it the wrong places, and then chasing after stuff that has no return. But that's not our DNA. Super important for us to know. Uh, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. It wants to go against you. It wants to stop you. But... You must let it. No, you must. What did you get? What did you just become a ruler of? You rule over sin. Have you ever thought of it that way? Forget Cain. This is a great story. I just got control over sin. I just got told that it's outside of me. I got a choice. God's still talking to me. I can be angry. I can make mistakes. I can try and fail. And will. I'm a professional failure. You must rule over it. Is he implying that you can? He's implying much more than that, right? Must? What is must? Kevin? It's a command. Insert, anytime you read in the Bible, must, I want you to insert gotsta. <laughs> well, if, 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 um, if she can say gotten, <laughs> then I can say gotsta, right? Verse 8, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Hard stop. Now let's step out of the story and let's review. And I want to ask you one of these Sesame Street questions. One of these things is not like the other. Many different things have happened. When did sin enter the scene? I'm pretty sure now the cable is dead. Cable. <laughs> cable and Ain. Um, now that Abel is dead, we have hard evidence sin's happened. When did it happen? When it, was it when he killed him? Was it when he rose up against him? Was it when he started a conversation intentionally with him, with bad intentions? Was it when he got angry? Was it when he, oh, even farther back, offered a bad offering? Very important for us to be paying attention to when and how does sin happen? Because if it's outside of me and it's outside the door, I want to know how that door gets open. 
I do it for myself. I'm the one that opens the door. But when? When I have a bad thought? Maybe. When I intentionally pursue somebody with ill intention? Maybe. Pretty sure we can all say when he rose up against his brother, now we're in sin for sure. So we could have stopped the phrase earlier. No one would doubt that once he kills his brother, that's sin. But I want us to point out that probably sin didn't happen until he started to go after his brother. Before that, God's saying sin's outside the door. Yeah, I know you're angry, but why? Why do you let your face fall? You have choices here, and you're headed a dark direction. Love that God tried to stop him. Cain killed him, verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, why is he still talking to Cain? Shouldn't it be over then? Deal's off. I'm wiping you out. I'll just deal with Adam and Eve now because their sin wasn't as bad. No one? No one? Who's worse? Adam and Eve or Cain? Don't answer it. They're both. They sinned for the first time. They brought evil onto the scene. They brought knowledge. They set the standard for how do you disobey? To go against God, is that worse than to kill someone? Kind of wonder. Which one are we given first in the Bible? Is priority matter based on appearance? I ain't going to answer that. Is it wrong to kill somebody? Is it wrong to go against God? Are they paired? Ooh, kind of hear they're paired, aren't they? Lord said to Cain, where's Abel, your brother? Does he not know that? I thought, what? It's a Socratic question, right? Applies the answer. Where's your brother? Because he wants to get straight to the point. He said, I do not know. Ah, what's that? Sin leads to more sin, doesn't it? Sin leads to more sin. Am I my brother's keeper? Ah, and never has maybe a, a verse or a phrase in the Bible been misused more than this one. Well, I'm not my brother's keeper, am I? You ignorant jerk. Why is he saying that? Because he's guilty and he knows it. He's trying to get away with it and he doesn't care. Did he keep his brother? He did the exact opposite. He's trying to justify it. I tell you what, we come up with every excuse we can think of on the planet to do what we want to do. And it leads to death. I love that God never answers this question. Am I my brother's keeper? It's almost like that's a stupid question. I won't even entertain it. Am I my brother's keeper? Lord said, what have you done? You want to ask me whether you're your brother's keeper? I want to ask you, did you keep your brother? Almost like what he's saying. God doesn't play games with us or small talk with us when something serious is going on. He wants to get straight to the point. And do our games work with God? No. Ask Jonah. Right? What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Well, blood has a voice now? The ground's receiving? 
There's crying out. And now you are what? Cursed. Cursed from the God who's speaking to you? No. From the ground. Shouldn't that say, now I have cursed you, or I will curse you, or you will be cursed? No. The little phrase, cursed from the ground. Interesting. Let's go back to the first sin story. Adam and Eve, they mess up. God shows up in the scene. What's going on? He figures it out and goes, okay, you, busted. He says, it wasn't me. It was the woman that you gave me, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter. Busted. You're going to have trouble when you work the field and you and the serpent are going to have it. You know a word that he never uses in that? He never uses the word curse when he talks to Adam. When he talks to Eve, he never uses the word curse. When he talks about the serpent and the ground, both get cursed. Ground gets cursed because of what Adam and Eve did. Here, all of a sudden, we get this, now you are cursed from the ground. It's almost like the author or God himself is saying, curse doesn't come from me. Interesting. Of all the people in all of the stories that we have in the Bible up through this part of chapter 4, who deserves to be cursed? Cain. Eve. Adam. None of them get cursed. Can you make mistakes and still be okay? Praise the Lord. Now, will there be consequences? Maybe with the ground or people or your health. There'll be all kinds of consequences. But God's not cursing you. Kind of love that. Uh, And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth and received your brother's blood from your hand. Wow. Wow. That is totally figurative, and we don't know what it means. Probably implies that from the dust we've come, the dust we return. When you work the ground, verse 12, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> wow. Ah, everybody knows this story is the story of Cain and Abel, right? And we always talk about Cain. Cain killed Abel. I think there's way more to it. I think Cain's just one of the characters. I think the Bible's really clear on it because it points out a bunch of stuff to us. I don't want us to fly through some of it. And before we get into that, I want to reiterate to you what is said in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Eve's not on the scene Yet, God speaking to Adam, it's at the top of your outline, I believe. And he says this, he commanded the man, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and what? Now we got evil unseen. You shall not eat. There's your command. And in the day that you eat of it, there's your sin. Right? To eat When you're commanded not to eat, that's disobedience. That's acting on the opposition of God, which is evil. When you act on evil, that's sin. In that day, you will surely die. Right? Now we have death. There's a progression here of evil, sin, to death. Where are you on the scale? 
oh, Scott, I'm, I'm not on that scale. I don't like those scale. I don't like any of those things on the scale. I'm, I'm, I'm on a different scale. I'm on the scale of life. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't like scales at all. Right? Um, you know, we're on the scale. We just got to stay right of evil and not get into that sentence at all. Right? If you're reading a sentence, you're going this way, right? Or no, we're going this way? backwards. Everything's inverted. You all face this way. I face that way. Uh, We want to be far left of the sentence and stay there. Recognize the sentence, but never get into the evil or act on the evil and have it become sin or act on the sin and have it become death. Hence our three topics. Doctrine of of evil, number 11, number 12, doctrine of sin. And then in the next uh, two weeks and three weeks, we're going to do doctrine of death. Okay, that's the progression because God gives it to us in Genesis chapter 2, 16, 17. Then he gives us this story and it, it's meant to help us understand, fill in number one, that sin comes from acting on evil. Sin does not exist until you act on the evil. The last couple of weeks we've talked about the idea that evil is anything that opposes God. If you act on anything that opposes God, then sinner has, sin has entered the scene and then you have lived up to your title sinner. The door is opened, crouching thing has come in. But know that sin's not on the scene before then. It's a concept. It exists as an ideology. But notice, doesn't he offer an offering? And the offering wasn't accepted. But God's comment is, sin's outside the door. It wasn't until he acted on it, rose up against his brother, or pursued his brother, or killed his brother. At some point in there, sin enters the scene. Why? Because he acted on the evil. I'm going to oppose God. Well, how did he oppose God? God told him, hey, if you do well, try over. Why are you angry? You got a choice in your anger. You got a choice in your mistake. You got a choice when your face falls. Make a good decision. And so we get... um, we get this definition from Genesis 2 and I think also from our interaction with Cain. But what's that, what's that tell you about your God? That he keeps sin separate from you. It only shows up when evil's acted on. What a great protection that you do not have the virus of sin and that you will die from it for sure. Right? Sorry, I had to use the virus thing because it's all going around. Right? <laughs> Um, secondly, doing well or poorly is separate from sin. God comes on the scene after he's done poorly and says, yeah, your offering wasn't good, but that's separate from sin. Sin's outside the door still. Do you know that you can fail and that's okay? Do you know that you can do poorly and that's okay? You can make mistakes and If that's true, then what's the value? What does God value? After it's over, he comes to him and says, if you do well, he's just done poorly, what's God value? Try again. What does God value? Take the again out. Try. God wants effort. 
If your heart is in the right place and you are trying and you're making an effort for the right reasons, you can fail and you'll be okay. In fact, I would make the argument that the Bible doesn't even call that sin. It's called trying and being zealous or righteous or determined or whatever. The soccer teams that I always work with, I always say, reward the effort. We'll be doing something. A guy's making a run and working really hard and, you know, in a game, give him the ball. He's the one running. In a practice, you got cones and drills and maybe some lines that you're using and they go just outside the line. But they're working really hard and they get it and they keep trying to go because, well, I didn't know I was trying to save it. Well, it's just a practice. Who cares if they went over the line? Reward the effort. Keep the drill going because we want to we learn. We want to get it down, the skills. Our relationship with the Lord is the exact same thing. You're going to offer things to the Lord that no one will see. And maybe you'll feel like God didn't regard. So what? Try again. Maybe someone will recognize later. Maybe you'll just grow from the trying. And that was what God really wanted to have happen. (coughs) Maybe Abel got chipped on this. Not because he got killed. Because his offering was good in the first place. And he didn't get to have this whole interaction with God. He didn't get the experience. What's the dark side of that? And how do I avoid it? Cain did. You see... Doing well or poorly has nothing to do with sin. It's how you respond to doing well or poorly. Can you sin in doing well? Forgot to tell first service, and they probably needed to hear it more than you. (laughs) We were here first. We came early. Yes, that's called bragging or pride. You can do well and be greedy. You can do well and be divisive. You can do well and be hurtful. It's not whether you do well or poorly. It's how you respond to your well or poorly. That's what sin is, right? Let's move on. Uh, Sin presents itself. How does sin... (laughs) It presents itself as speaking on a stage in front of your church. Uh, It presents itself as beneficial, doesn't it? Every time sin shows up, the only reason it shows up is we think there's a payout. Oh, well, we're going to save some money, so I should should cut some corners because we'll save money. I should do this because it'll raise my status. I know it's cheating, but if nobody knows, I'm going to climb the ladder. I'm going to do this because she'll never find out. And I deserve to have a little happiness. I'm going to do this because he doesn't understand me. And I need to be understood. And they're acting like they understand me right now. We think there's some benefit, some blessing, some payoff, some gain, some return. Every single time sin presents as if it's going to get you something. Does it? Many times it does, and then it pulls the carpet out from underneath you and beats you up, ties you, chains you, drags you behind the truck to the next town, dumps you in the river. That was kind of fun. (laughs) Sin presents itself as beneficial and then does damage. Is 
Does damages. Wait, Scott, shouldn't it just say does damage? Yes. I put the parentheses in there so that you knew, I knew, that proper English doesn't have an S there. But I wanted to add an S to it. How do you make a plural, Brian? You add an S to it, right? It's a famous line from Brian Regan's uh, comedy act. He's like amazing and the best ever. You know, probably sue me now for using his line, but <laughs> like there's anything to get. <laughs> um, no, it does damage. And not just damage singular, it does a lot of damages. Sin affects things we don't even know. And it absolutely affects the things we do know. Now, a little housekeeping. I want you to look at underneath sin presents itself beneficial and then does damages. It says 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Man, Scott, couldn't you just go like you did right above that and fill in number 2? It just says 5 dash 7. Couldn't you just do 5 through 7, read those three together, and you'll kind of get the point of what we're making? Yes, we could do that. But I did it differently in number 3. Any guesses? Because in every single verse, there is a different instance of damage done. And I want you to just read through the five verses and go, oh, there's a bunch of damage there. No, I want you to read through them all and go, oh, there's one in this one, there's a different one in this one, there's another in this one, and I'm not going to take them through you right now because I want to force you to the habit of reading your Bible on your own. But the ground has an effect, Abel has an effect, God is affected, Cain is affected, death's on the scene, there's all kinds of different stuff. In fact, now you're going to be a wanderer. How you work is now affected. There are damages, not it does damage. It does damage is so quaint compared to the reality. How's Eve feeling? Uh, Scott, she's not in the story. Oh, no, she's not mentioned, but she's in the story. She's about to have Seth. Why? Because Abel was taken from her. There's effects that aren't even seen or discussed. And they're disgusting. Because sin does damages. And then there's the and on and on and on and on. That's meant to be pretty much every verse from then on. Anytime you see sin, there's going to be damage. Right? Looks good to start, but it does damage. Why? Because it contradicts God, and God makes sure you understand only his system works. But only if you let it. Sin is crouching out there. You must rule over it. You have a choice. Can evil be on the scene and you be okay? Yes. yes, the best men and women are the ones who can stand in the face of evil. Can sin be on the scene and you be okay? Yes, when you're not the one sinning, when you're cleaning up after the sin or helping people avoid sin or whatever. But you have a choice when darkness, bad, evil, wrong. When it shows up, you have a choice. You always have a choice. It's just a little thing crouching outside the door. Do you recognize the picture that God is giving for what evil and sin and death look like? They're bit players. They're also ran. They get a participation trophy. They're in the background of the poster and you're meant to be in the front ground dunking on somebody with your knee up on their chin and they're like, oh, right? You have a choice. 
Don't let the temptation, the perceived benefits, draw you into a decision that is costly and leads to death. Well, it won't be that bad. It'll just be a little white lie. Why do you say that? Justify it. It won't cost us that much. No one will know. And the reality is they always know. Love what it says. The ground is crying out against you. You will be known. And from now on, you will wander the earth. You had a choice. Why does he let him wander the earth and keep working the ground? Shouldn't, shouldn't that read? And he blotted him off the face of the earth. No, it's not, it's, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of other passages in the First Testament where he blots people off the face of the earth. Boom, and they're gone. Doesn't do it with Cain. Why? Is he giving him a third chance? Second chance, maybe, depending on how you want to argue it. Does God give you second chances, more chances? Do you continually have a choice always, no matter what goes on? You can... James 4, 7, and 8. You can submit yourself to God, therefore resist the devil, because apparently that's possible. Love that. I'm so sick of people telling me, oh, the devil made me, oh, the devil's coming, there's demons, I'm being oppressed. No, you're not. Sin happens within you when you are carried away by your own desires. How do I know this? Earlier in James, he says that's how sin happens. When you make a decision about you. Because if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Because apparently that's possible. Cleanse your hands. That's a command. As if you can clean yourself by making better decisions. You sinners, by definition, you have choice. You can choose the wrong way. And purify your hearts. Do you know that you're, you're a controlling factor in your own purity? According to James, Jesus' half-brother, I think he's an authority. You double-minded. Why are you double-minded? In fact, let me mess with you. I told first service... Um, that you couldn't handle this. And uh, they laughed. They didn't realize I was joking. Because I think... <laughs> I know you can handle it. They're slow. They're all worried about their alarm clocks and stuff. Um, in the beginning, does he make a garden, put all the trees in it? And what you know what tree he put in that garden? Tree of life, yeah. He put another tree in that garden. The knowledge of good and evil. He throws Adam and Eve in that garden with the tree of knowledge and evil right there, right next to him. And then he says, hey, you got one job. Eat. Every tree, eat from every tree. You're gonna get so into the pattern of eating that you're gonna eat without thinking. And then when you get to this one tree, don't eat. Did he set him up for failure? 
Like if you didn't want them to have the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, don't put the tree in the garden. And yet he puts it in there. You could have put it anywhere, right? Why? So you have choice? So that you could be double-minded? Ah, woo, careful. Did they eat the tree because God wanted it? So that we'd know the difference between obedience and disobedience and we'd value choosing him when we had a choice the same way he chooses us if he is all sovereign and controls all things, even our actions. Are you double-minded on purpose? Ouch. That's a hard one. Be careful not to answer that one definitively to the left or to the right. I would say, in some ways, sin is a blessing. Double-minded is a blessing. I might want to give Eve credit rather than blame. I might want to say, Adam, I know it was wrong for you to disobey, but boy, we might be better off understanding what is it like to disobey now. Otherwise, we'd all be walking around just knowing good and wondering, I wonder if somebody ever disobeyed. What would that be like? It wouldn't be as threatening. And one of us might be the first one. How bad would that be? Did you hear about Scott? 6,000 years of obedience and then he went off the wagon. (laughs) When I talk about sin, what's the thing, what's the dark corner that's off to the side, the thing that you argue about, the thing that you wrestle with, the thing that you pursue, that you hope other people don't hear about, talk about, think about, attribute to you? What's the thing that you pray about? Or maybe you don't even pray about it because you know talking about with God is going to make you uncomfortable and you're already too uncomfortable. What is that thing? I guarantee every person in this room, when I start talking about that way, something's coming to your mind. You can be fine. Rule over it. Make the right decision. Pursue the Lord and then see what he does with the extra time that you have to now do the things he wants you to do. How awesome could it be? Amen? Do business with him on that. Lord, thanks for your word. Thanks for defining sin, limiting sin, helping us understand it. Pray, Lord, we'd see more than just Cain making a mistake in this story. Thank you for who you are and how you act, how gracious. They continue to work with us, try to heal us. You keep talking to us. May we bank on that. And then, Lord, for those that are struggling, especially with an area, areas, encourage them, convict them, give them a way out, that we might pursue you, Lord, and enjoy it. Thank you for the offering that we're receiving. Trust that it's part of your will. If you're a guest this morning, feel free to let the plate just pass by.
This is not required of you. This is something we do as a family. We praise in your son's name. Amen.